Georgia. And I'm Olgie. And this is Girls on Film. Today we're going to be discussing Wes Anderson's The Royal Tenenbaums. Came out in 2001, co-written by Wes and also Owen Wilson who stars in the film. And a um, pretty good film. Yeah, and it obviously was, yeah. we'll be talking about its soundtrack. So this was actually the first time that I'd seen it, but you've seen it before and I mentioned have seen it you before. actually really enjoy it. So I really like this What film. is it about this film that you like so much? Oh, well, actually, Big the question. soundtrack is one of the biggest parts. I think the soundtrack's so good. Yeah, I um, really enjoy the soundtrack. Also, the wardrobe is kind of insane. I just like the characters. Yeah. I like that it's not about that much. It's just kind of a bit of a slice of life kind of film. Yeah, and I loved how every character, despite being so random, is actually mm-hmm. quite relatable. Yeah, as in, it's so such, relatable. Yeah, as in they're all so relatable, yet they're all so different you know yeah than each other and yeah just very d- different types of people but yet you can sort of find something to sort of connect with them which is quite I cool i agree they're yeah. all quite lost they are definitely all quite lost and you can see a lot of loneliness mm. in them but you can it's quite interesting how they all come back to their childhood home yeah they all come together again family's clearly a very big part of their lives in a way yeah because like they're all adults but yet they need to be living at home to feel safe and sort of grounded around each other. Yeah, to be able to even function. Yeah, they're actually all quite dysfunctional human beings, to be frank. And yet they somehow survive life. I like it though. Yeah, no, I I really enjoyed it. Um, It was a really good film. It's such a good film. There's also a link to our previous episode of Ferris Bueller's Day Off because we've got another Beatles song that isn't a Beatles song. It's a cover of a Beatles song because Mm. they couldn't get the rights to it. And this is the song that introduces, they kind of replay it a bit for the first 10 minutes, but it's Hey Jude. And when it reaches the kind of, the like big part, (laughs) it's where we see Mordecai the bird flying off. Yeah. And it's quite nice. So should we just dive right in? Okay.
So that was the first song, Augie. Did you enjoy that? I did enjoy that. It's quite um, different to hear it as more of an acoustic Mm. version. And then it's quite fun having a bit more of a chorus coming in at the end as well. It gives a bit more of oomph to the song. Yeah. I think... um, it wasn't, I'll be honest, it wasn't my favourite choice of songs out of oh, the whole really? film. I don't know why. It's I felt like it's it's quite a slow paced sort yeah. of sound to it. But then also yeah. it's probably I guess it was at the beginning of the film yeah. sort of introduced to the montages. Yeah. yeah. And so it was good in that sense. Um, but I would say I did prefer some of the others later down the line. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. The next one I think is the best use of Okay. Any song in this particular film. Wow. It's the scene when Richie and Margot reunite by way of the Green Line bus. Which is it's when <laughs> do you remember the bit when she gets remember. off the bus? And that that was a really cool moment. It the was way really they filmed cool. that as it well. It was really cool. Really All the sound cool. stops and there's a long pause and then it's just yeah. this song. Yeah. Which is These Days by Nico.
producer on that song of the velvet underground oh yeah cool. quite cool yeah Adds to the new york vibe yeah where the film is set well the whole, the whole setting's quite interesting in itself because yeah. even though it is new york it's not mm-hmm. the typical you know city center that you expect to see yeah for films which is set there i think the house is in harlem which okay. is northern manhattan Right. I say. I can't say. I know off the um, top of my head. But yeah, overall the sets are quite cool because there's so many shots in the streets. And also it's just so funny when we see there are a couple of kids in the film and like where they go to play is on like this really desolate rooftop with a yeah. climbing frame yeah. in the middle of New York. Yeah. Which is quite funny. Um, but just to bring it back to the actual moment where they play that song it's really interesting because they actually as soon as um margo gets gets off the bus and they see each other there's you know they play this song but then all the other sound um just suddenly gets blocked out and it's this really sort of actually quite intimate moment Mm -hmm. between them as they're both locking eyes on each other after such a long time and you just hear this song playing in the background and i think it just it helps draw attention to that moment a bit more and makes you realise the importance, I think, of their relationship, which obviously, towards the end of the film... Becomes clear. Becomes really clear. Mm -hmm. So I think that was just a good... It was just interesting how, yeah, they made the song really important with blocking out all the other noise to really, really focus in on just that moment of them, you know, seeing each other, the eye contact after so long. It's also quite a sweet song that I think really reflects both of those characters because the next song we hear is a Clash song and this is when we get properly introduced to Eli Cash Mm. who dresses like a cowboy and is quite crazy. So this is quite fitting. Yeah, let's give it a play. Okay, here we go. This is Please and Thieves, by the way. Yeah. 
So that was our intro to Eli Cash, who is played by Owen Wilson, who also wrote it, as we mentioned. And this song, I think, is in... I mean, we quickly mentioned this in complete contrast, I think, to mm. the moment where she sees Reggie, and now... Richie. Richie. <laughs> and... <laughs> Yeah, and um, this one's just—I mean, I guess the fact it's the Clash it mm-hmm. means it's a bit more punk rock. Anyway, yeah, there's that. a bit more of a more fun, slightly rebellious vibe to it, mm-hmm. and I think that actually the contrast, I think, in a way reflects how Margot has so much variability <laughs> as a character. You know, yeah. she's the whole point about her is that she is so mysterious, she's quite a chameleon. Yeah, fit definitely. In with these so two much, really opposing characters. Yeah, so much like plasticity to her oh, and wow. that she well as in when we see the flashbacks for when uh-huh. you know all the different people she's been yeah. with and you know each is a completely different circumstance. And I think this just shows again, yeah, that this whole mysterious side of her that she can change you know whoever she kind of wants to be yeah but also the fact that this song is a bit more rebellious and upbeat i think it does make it seem a bit more like a fling to her her relationship Mm -hmm. with eli it's not as Mm -hmm. personal as the last song when she saw i'm going to get the name right this time Uh richie yeah um (laughs) whereas and i think also they come back to later when she says to eli i never actually did love you and i just feel like this song just sort of reflects that i mean a bit more of a fling and it's just a bit of fun and a laugh to her yeah well the next song jumps back from british to american again and new york again because it's bob dylan okay wigwam and this is the song we hear for the other pair of lovers in the film which is angelica houston's character um who's the matriarch of the family and also henry um and it's quite a sweet song so here it is Thank you. 
quite a nice scene when they Definitely. go on their archaeological dig together yeah. and then decide they're meant to be. <laughs> it's such a wholesome scene. Yeah. Definitely. And very much a sort of love being rekindled and, mm. you know, just sort of, not even rekindled because I guess this is the first time they're getting together, but I guess yeah. sort of just that love has no yeah, I mean, age they're, limits. They're quite things. old. You don't yeah. usually see a... I mean, I guess the whole film is kind of framed by their relationship because their marriage is kind of one of the final scenes that yeah. wraps up the film. So yeah. it's quite interesting. It centers more around them as an elderly couple. Definitely. Than, well, not elderly, <laughs> but... But uh, as in, you expect it's post, always the children, I guess, getting married, isn't it? Exactly. That's what I was thinking in an odd way. It sort of has a bit of a Mamma Mia mm-hmm. vibe to it when Meryl Streep and Pierce <laughs> Brosnan get married. And it's that sort of moment where it's like, it just, everyone suddenly feels really wholesome feels and complete and good. they all sing a song. It's just very sort of, Love that. you know, heartwarming, them getting yeah. together, I think. Do you have a favourite character so far? Or are you still deciding? I'm still mulling over, but I probably would say the mum in it because yeah. she very much is a matriarch and she does keep the family together. And you only, you do see her being so protective over her children and she's doesn't, you know, she's never sort of hateful or you don't ever see any bad characteristics and sides to her. But mm-hmm. she clearly was a very important figure in all their lives because mm. she, you know, they all come back to the family home. She's the only stable character. Yeah. And she's, you know, she's got a job. She's found a new husband. She's got grandchildren and she's just... She's sort of just keeping them all going, to be honest. I think she's a really impressive She's got a bridge club. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Very clever woman. Hmm, That's a nice favourite character. What about you? I think Richie is my favourite character. Right. I also really like Royal Tenenbaum, even though he's probably the most flawed character. Yeah. But Gene Hackman is such a good actor and he really brings some comedy to it. Yeah. But Royal's quite an interesting character in terms of that he does have quite a sort of arc. arc. He does, because at the beginning he sort of is just tricking them to sort of, you know, get back in the good books. And he's been kicked out of the hotel, so he doesn't have any money, so he has to live with them. Mm-hmm. Whereas at the end he sort of does realise, oh, these past few days have actually been the best days of yeah. my life. And I think he does realise, maybe I wasn't that present in my family's life. It's and interesting. Realizes actually what are the important things in life. It's not scheming people and tricking yeah. people, but it's sort of being around those who you actually mm. want to be with. The next song is actually when we see him with his two grandsons yeah. messing around. <laughs> it's me and Julio down by the schoolyard. And it's when we see him teaching his grandkids to shoplift and <laughs> ride on the back of like a rubbish collection van. And um, drive go karts, and it's just such a fun scene. <laughs> it definitely I is really a fun like scene. I really like this bit. I agree. It's one of the more comedic parts. Here it is. Spit on the ground every time the name gets mentioned. 
Simon of Simon and Garfunkel. I think that's actually maybe one of my favourite scenes in the whole film. It's really nice. It's just so fun and Comedic. you just see the the two those two grandchildren in the film have lived such a sort of restricted life with the dad after the mother's death. Yeah. And then this is the first time they're just being proper young children and having a laugh and you know, having forming a relationship with their grandparents and doing cheeky things. It's just it just makes you sort of laugh, doesn't it? Just sort of seeing them have fun and whirl around the place at the end yeah. of the day. Yeah, it's interesting thinking about all the kind of sadder themes paired alongside the happier themes. I mean, partly because that scene is so fun is because the kids have never had a childhood because yeah. their dad is traumatised yeah. by the death of his wife and their mother. Definitely. And it's interesting also thinking about mental health, because I guess what um, their dad, who's Ben Stiller's character, has OCD, I'm guessing, or PTSD as well. Yeah. With all the obsession mm-hmm. over yeah. routines and... Just everything, Checking really, yeah. and all of that. Definitely. I mean, I think that you're right, that the whole film covers a lot of actually quite deep rooted and sad issues and covers it in quite it's comedic but it's also not a humorous film it just sort of makes it it quite light-hearted without taking without you know belittling any of the issues by making it funny i think it has quite a fine balance between making it approachable by making it sort of light-hearted so you can talk about these subjects because you don't feel sad at the end of the film but there are a lot of elements of really serious mental health issues i mean you see um you know his name wrong richie, richie um tr- you know trying he tries to commit suicide mm-hmm. and the mother's death has clearly like you said been lingering not that's not a nice word to use but yeah. it's in, you know had a very 
brutal impact. Yeah, definitely. On the grandchildren's lives. Henry is a widow as well. Yeah. Um, also, don't want to spoil the end of the film, but there's <laughs> other sad parts we can talk about. <laughs> wasn't sad. Yeah. It, um, it's quite an interesting way that they've actually been able to handle that. And even yeah. just they bring the sort of drug addiction and oh, yeah, drug the, addiction the reckless as well. driving and then sort mm-hmm. of saying, actually... I do need to seek help. It's sort of mm. a moment of realisation, but it took an actual serious incident for that to happen. I mean, the children could have actually been killed, killed and the dog was actually killed. Spoiler alert. So, sorry, I went for it then. <laughs> but, um, yeah. What's our... Shall we talk about... I mean, the one of the ways they do the suicide scene is just by kind of playing music without talking or, like, kind of distracting from the main issue of the suicide itself with dialogue. Like, it's mm-hmm. just an uh, Elliot Smith song. Yeah. Should we play it, then talk about it? Yeah, do you I think, do that? yeah, let's okay, do that. Cool. This song is Needle in the Hay. Down, down. 
downstairs to the moon. He's gonna make it all okay. I can't be myself. I can't be myself. And I don't wanna talk. I'm taking the care so I can be quiet wherever I want. So leave me alone. You wanna be proud that I'm getting good marks. I have to admit, this song choice I was a bit actually surprised by because I thought potentially for a scene as actually depressing as that, and it's a very serious topic, I would have expected them to have gone for more an acoustic song to sort of, you know, the character yeah. left alone with their thoughts rather than with, I guess, lyrics. I just, I thought it was a surprising choice, mm. to be honest. Um, and the whole scene I found, it did take me by surprise in general because right. at the beginning I thought it was meant to be a scene about a moment of realisation and coming to terms with things because he begins sort of shaving. He has an identity Yeah, crisis. exactly. And I thought it was him just sort of realising he was going to make a change mm. rather than actually the end. You realise he's actually trying yeah, to commit suicide. I think he just loses sight of himself because he has, this character has long hair, beard, he wears signature... Yeah. Basically, he's a failed tennis champion, so he always wears feeler headbands and wristbands and yeah. so on and sunglasses, and he takes them all off and he starts to sh- cut off all his hair and shave yeah. his beard, and then he doesn't even finish shaving his beard. Yeah. He says he's going to kill himself tomorrow and then does it yeah. right then, which is also interesting. Yeah, definitely. Um, and we see him kind of have flashbacks. Yeah. Th- yeah, mm-hmm. of the earlier scene when Margot gets off the bus and we oh, hear the Nico yeah. song, actually. Yeah. No, I think there's just definitely an element of it, him realising the journey sort of back is just too difficult for him. And even just the song title, Needle in the Hay, I guess it's that sort of element of just being too lost to be found and I guess sort of just, oh. not, to, not to sort of overanalyse or anything, mm-hmm. but, you know, I think there is an element that it, he just feels... Mm-hmm. too lost in the wrong surroundings mm-hmm. and no one's ever actually going to be able to find him it's just you know really mm-hmm. an impossible task yeah the guy who sings this song actually killed himself as well gosh. not so fun fact no gosh um but yeah there's so many depictions of mental health in this film yeah. even the bird that we talked about at the beginning who oh, we yeah. see flying off and stuff we'll talk about later actually because it makes some reappearance <laughs> but when they discover the bird again later on in the film, they say, oh, I don't think it's the same bird. This bird's all grey. And then yeah. they basically say, well, who knows what he's been through? Like, yeah, traumatic experiences can turn your hair grey prematurely. So even even the bird yeah. is suffering. <laughs> no, that's a good point, actually. 
It is an attempted suicide, however. Um, so again, it's not a completely sad film and it is quite comedic, but we do then see the transition into his life afterwards where he sneaks out of the hospital, all dressed in white, kind of looking like an angel or something. And he returns to his childhood home to go find Margot. And they have that moment where they're in the tent together, the indoor tent. And we actually see Margot putting on this song, which is She Smiled Sweetly by the Rolling Stones. discuss the fashion in the or the use of costumes I guess yeah. rather than fashion in the film I feel that Ben Stiller's character's got probably the most noticeable yeah. choice of the Adidas all-in-one tracksuit which he has matching yeah. with both of his sons um, in bright red <laughs> and they wear it every single day in the film they wear until it every the scene yeah. when then they wear the black version of yeah. the still the exact same top and bottom <laughs> Adidas tracksuit. Um, we also yeah. have Margot, who's quite cool with her yeah. Lacoste dresses. Yeah. And then Richie always wears tennis gear. 
and Eli always wears like wild western suede jacket cowboy hat it's very sort of extreme levels of clothing which yeah. they don't change from you know none of them are really just wearing jeans and t-shirts yeah it's also what we see them wearing as kids as well yeah all of them i guess i guess because they don't grow up no and i feel like that's a major part of the entire film is how yeah. all of them and you really um, see with um, Ben Stiller's character how childish he is when he has that sort of tantrum on the staircase mm-hmm. when he's talking to his dad as he's going upstairs. <laughs> and you just see them all still very much stuck in an age when they are younger. But I guess as I guess children, they're it. kind of adults in an odd way because they were also talented and they, yeah. were, they were never really, I guess, children in an odd right. way yeah. so i feel like maybe they just grew up too fast so they've always just stayed the same in a way yeah another thing we see that comes back from their childhood is the bird mordecai yeah and that's when richie and his father royal are on the roof and then I, oh, this is the song that plays whilst the bird returns
So that was the Velvet Underground, Stephanie says. That's quite a nice song in general, I would say. It's really relaxing. Yeah. So the bird isn't actually the only thing which does keep on coming back in the film. Another sort of recurring object and theme is the Green Line bus. Yeah. Which we see Margot getting off at at one point. And then um, Richie. Yeah, Richie, after his suicide, uh-huh. well, attempt, sorry, yeah. attempted suicide, <laughs> um, he then just gets on the bus again. And I guess it's a sort of, a, you know, quite a symbol of, I mean, it's moving on in transport, isn't it? As in, yeah. like, he sort of is going to that next chapter of his life. And it's something I think he associates with Margot because mm-hmm. he says how he always waits for her to get off that bus and how she's oh, always yeah. late. So I guess for them, it's also a symbol which he connects with her. And, yeah, mm. and I guess there's something nice about that because it's repeated throughout the film. Yeah. So you're sort of always hinting at how they're always going to come back and try and find each other in a way. Yeah, also the next song is another Nico song. Yeah. And the earlier Nico song was about their um, getting back together, like mm-hmm. refinding yeah. each other. And this is the song that plays once they kind of realise they're meant to be together and stuff. So again, that's quite a nice thing that begins and rounds off the film slightly because we're getting near to the end of the soundtrack now. And so this is The Fairest of the Seasons by Nico.
like Wes Anderson, Olgie? I do like Wes Anderson and I was actually thinking there's you can just tell this film is very sort of his mm-hmm. sort of style with that yeah. kind of, it's almost kind of stilted acting in a way, that sort of mm-hmm. like blank expressions and yeah. then sort of cuts and I think there's a lot of, I think I can imagine the character in particular Pagoda being in the Grand Budapest Hotel, which I don't know if I've seen but it's another one of Wes Anderson's films uh-huh. and I think there's, I mean, even just with the cast, there's a bit of a crossover. I mean, Owen Wilson's in them yeah, both, Bill, Bill Murray. Murray's in them both, yeah. And a lot of the characters, I think you can actually see a bit of that sort of reflection of the style that he tends to go for. I mean, yeah. what do you think of his work? I really like it. Oh, yeah. yeah. They're also very, I mean, they're kind of like known to be quite pretty yeah. films, yeah. I guess. They're quite stylized. Definitely. I mean, yeah, he's definitely well known for his definitely costumes as well as never being too extreme but being very true to a character yeah i remember there was a lot of things about the use of purple in the grand budapest hotel but um and yeah i mean just coming back to this song here i think it sort of works quite well for them as their sort of love song because it's very nice love song then coming together but there's still something quite sad about it yeah and i think that's just the nature of those two characters is that they do have an element of just sadness, which is just a major part of actually who they are. Yeah, um, wow. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, indeed them, but... Yeah, yeah, I guess it's quite melancholic. Yeah. As in, yeah, it's not sort of all, you know, birds chirping and sun shining. Yeah, compared to the other love story, which ends in a marriage. Yeah. I guess theirs is much more subtle and kind of... Mm, what's the word? Just kind of... Not that. It's a bit more realistic in a way. Yeah. To an extent that, you know, it is very just sort of, they found each other and they're happy, but it's not sort of, you know, a Hollywood love yeah. film with an explosion of sounds and colours. Something else that kind of reflects that is just the ending, because we don't end with the marriage, we actually end with a funeral scene. Mm-hmm. But it's still quite upbeat and quite... It's quite a nice ending to the film, even though it's sad. Yeah. But I guess that kind of just captures the way it's like a tragic film and a comedic film at the same time. Yeah. Just kind of slice of life film. Should we play the final song? Because that kind of captures that element of happiness and sadness at the same time. Yep, let's play it. Cool. Well, this is Everyone by Van Morrison. And this is the last song of today from our episode on the Royal Tenenbaums.
Thanks for listening. This has been Girls on Film. And next week we'll be discussing an Edinburgh classic, Train Spotting. See you then.